When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on all the action of Major League Soccer over the past week and soccer in this wonderful world of soccer that we are in. Thanks so much for tuning in as we talk some CONCACAF Champions League, some North Americans abroad, some NWSL, women's national team stuff. So we have a really awesome episode ready for you guys. So again, thanks for joining. But it's been about seven days since we have talked last. Um, we're recording a little earlier than we usually do. So it's it's a nice afternoon in Georgia and Toronto. So Josh, have the last seven Day's been treating you. I know you have a you've had a pretty busy day. It sounds like on your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, def- definitely a very busy day. I was pretty upset that Connor pushed our recording back by fifteen minutes. You know, because I just have so much stuff to get to. Just no, um, wow. Okay, calling no, me out. Obviously, huh? obviously, very clearly, I have nothing going on today. Um, I can't even say that I have like sports to watch other than the Columbus CCL game tonight because this is a rare off day between the Braves and the Hawks, I believe. I don't think the Braves play later today. I think they're off today. So, yeah, I guess I really have nothing on my schedule, even from a from a watching perspective. But, yeah, it's been a good week. Um, this week flew by for me, even though I, I can't say anything crazy happened. I had a good Easter with my family. And the same old, same old watching Atlanta sports between Braves, Hawks. Obviously now Atlanta United is back. We've had lots of... MLS soccer to watch and CCL action, which has been extremely exciting, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you guys today. So that's probably what has made my week fly by so fast, but it's been a good week. Connor, how has your week been? It's been good. Uh, We are reaching the end of the semester. Uh, Our last week of classes are next week, but I've handed in most of my assignments. I have one left to hand in a group assignment tomorrow, uh, which is Friday, which Potentially, you are listening to this podcast then because I'm not swamped with work anymore. Jeez, um, Josh, that is creepy face. Um, but yeah, like uh, I got an assignment next Tuesday I got to hand in and then a couple exams, both one open book. Uh, so 
Yeah, it's been a pretty decent week. Getting Mark's back and all that fun stuff. Toronto FC killing it. Raptors got Cam Birch potentially today. So we won't have to see Aaron Baines as much anymore, which, you know, I'm always a fan of that. And Leafs are top of the NHL, even though they've played two more games than second place. But we won't get into that. They're top of the NHL. So I will hold that over everybody's heads. Uh, But... Drew, how swamped are you with work right now, given the fact that this is the end of semester for you as well? I am pretty swamped. I'm thinking I had I had a final exam like a couple days ago, which is weird because we're at the beginning of April and we have like a month left in the semester. So that was annoying, but it was open book and it was online. So I think I knocked that out. So that's always good. I have a sport marketing test tomorrow, I think, but it's like one of those where it's 24 hours and open no open internet. So I'm not too stressed about that. But hopefully we'll knock those two classes out. I'm taking five this semester. So get two out of the way and focus on the other three for about, yeah, the remaining month that we have. But aside from school, sports have been not too crazy. The Braves started off 0-4, and they finally got two wins and a doubleheader against the Nationals. So that was good to finally see them in the win column. Hawks are tearing up. I think they're in fourth place in the East right now or something crazy like that. So that's good. Got to watch Atlanta United and care really care about a soccer game for what f- the first time in like months, so that was good. Um, but yeah, what I'm really excited about is the upcoming week. I get my second shot of the vaccine on Sunday, so I'm very nice. excited about that. Um, and yeah, so this week I'm, I'm with Josh. This week has flown by. I don't know if Josh can relate to this, but it's been pretty hot here. And the pollen has been kicking my butt. My nose has been nonstop, not, not, not running. It's been bad. It's been rough on my end, but got through it. I got some medicine the other day. So hopefully we'll get through that. Spring is here. I'm not a big spring fan. I don't like bees and flowers all getting in my face, making me sneeze. So that's kind of annoying. I did have a wasp in my car the other day. That was not fun. Uh, So unlike Drew, pollen doesn't bother me. So I'm lucky, especially during this certain week in Georgia annually. But yeah, I I think I I'd just gone golfing and I was driving with my windows down and I made a stop, I got back in the car and there was a wasp flying around. I was like, ah, crap, this sucks. Please just leave. And he did. So I'm glad he listened to me. Speaking of golf, the Masters are this weekend. That's right. Which I don't watch golf, but I watch the Masters because it's in Augusta, which is kind of far away from us, but it's still really cool. And I've always wanted to play on Augusta National, but I don't know how to play golf. That's a problem. But that's cool. My shot's sliced. But when Josh mentioned golf, spring flowers, I immediately thought Augusta National. So that's this weekend. So that is exciting. Um, But in addition to the crazy world of school, work, and golf, apparently... (laughs) We had some North Americans abroad action, um, specifically starting off with Christian Pulisic. He got a start for Chelsea on Saturday against West Brom. He did score a goal, but the team lost 5-2, to two, so that was kind of a bummer. If you're a Chelsea fan, I woke up and I saw the Fop Mob notification that he scored a goal, and I was really excited, and then I looked again and said, oh, no, they lost 5-2, to two. so that was a bummer. Uh, but he scored a goal, the team lost 5-2. to two. He injured his hamstring running out for a halftime warm-up, which is the most young American and Europe thing in the world to do. I think this has happened before. I don't know if it was specifically with him, but a young American got hurt in warmups again. So that's frustrating. Um, he did appear in a UCL game against Porto, which I think they won 2 nothing in the round of 16. 
Um, he played about for 35 minutes, so good to see him. Getting some minutes in Chelsea, I know that was a struggle for a while, but he's looking like he's going to break in a little more. Uh, getting away from the Premier League in UCL, Brendan Aronson got a really good assist for RB Salzburg on Sunday. I don't know the result of that game, but he did grab an assist, so that was awesome seeing him tear it up after coming uh, from the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Daryl DK, a guy who has made his house in this podcast outline. We are always talking about this guy. Scored a brace on Monday. He has seven goals in 13 games in the championship, so he's tearing it up. Uh, a name that we don't we talk pretty often about, but on really bad news today, uh, Jonathan David picked up an ankle injury. Um, it was a ligament injury. He'll be out for several weeks. Big blow for Lille, who I assume are still atop the league in France, uh, and I think he's still leading the team in scoring. So never good when your team's leading scorer goes down, or he's at least up there. I know last time we talked about it, he was leading the team in scoring. Uh, and Tyler Boyd. Five goals in his last few games. He's played about 500 minutes, and he's got five goals. So really awesome. Uh, went through a lot of action there with a lot of players. Josh, out of these guys I just talked about, whether it's Pulisic, DK, Aronson, Boyd, David, which ones stuck out to you and which one is the most important to you out of all these North Americans abroad? Well, I think the most important one out of this is, is Jonathan David, but I know Connor's got some feelings on it. As a resident Canadian, no feelings. No I think feelings he has feelings. Canadian he just doesn't want to talk about does, it. Does he? Yeah, he just wants to avoid uh, it. I'm going to bring something else up. But okay. Yes. Well, so I think the David injury is probably the biggest. It's it's just so disappointing because this is a guy that has really picked up his form lately, and he's become a very important piece for for Lille as they look to actually win Ligue 1, which would be fantastic because it's been PSG for what eight nine years now. So super disappointing to see that. I don't know for sure. Maybe, Connor, you can answer this, if this is going to affect anything with Canada coming up. We're not fully sure yet. We don't know how the severity of the injury. Um, but from what I've seen, I've seen people say potentially like six weeks to 12 weeks to everything in between. Uh, I think it was Ted Tej Sahoda on Twitter, who's an actual doctor, who tweeted out, like, if this is a certain injury, it'll be 12 weeks. Uh but I can't remember if that's exactly it. Um, either way, not good. June is still a bit of a ways away, so we'll see whether or not he's eligible for international duty, but it's very up in the air at this point. So, yeah, I, I think losing Jonathan David is huge for Lille, and you know, as Connor's mentioned, it looks like it, it may or may not end up affecting his time with the Canadian men's national team. Other than that, though, I think DK, you know, he continues to score. He's still on this huge tear, and he's just, I mean, he's so impressive. So impressive. So other than that, other than David's big injury, I think DK's performance is big. Connor, did anything major stick out to you from this, from these North Americans abroad, other than David, I guess? Not from this list, because for some reason, you didn't include Fonzie. What do you do? Came on as a substitute yesterday in their match against PSG, uh, where they lost 3-2. to two. He was a positive in goals uh, somehow. He was on the pitch for two Bayern uh, and one PSG. So positive impact there. He looked really, really good on the ball yesterday. Uh, they're going to have a... It's going to be a tall order uh, coming going into Paris to try to make up for the away goals. But what's interesting about that game is I believe that was the first time Bayern has lost at their home stadium since like 2019 or 2018. 
I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, you know, when you're going up against the best player in CONCACAF and Kaylor Navas. I mean, it's hard to to come away with the win. I mean, dude stood on his head, and I think, I think it's clear who the best player in CONCACAF is at this point. They're literally head-to-head. We'll find out next week, I guess, for sure, but uh, well, pretty clear after yesterday. Davies was on the pitch for less goals than Navas, so, you know, there's that. I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> Not also, better. <laughs> hey, goalkeeper, player. No. Yeah, one, one has a more significant influence on their team than the other. Sure, I'm not debating that. Not the same thing, though, which is why Davies is the best player in CONCACAF. Navas is the best goalkeeper in CONCACAF. There's a distinction there. <laughs> True. anything big for you from the North Americans abroad before before we get bogged down in this? Before we, we start this we already know again. We could devote an entire podcast to just me and Connor fighting over whether Navas or Davies is the best CONCAF player. But anyway, Drew, what, what stuck out to you from these North Americans next abroad? Next offseason, next offseason. <laughs> I think my biggest thing probably be Pulisic because honestly, you guys took everything else. Brennan Aronson getting assists is good. Pulisic, we had a lot of talk about whether or not his struggles about getting into the lineup when Chelsea got their new manager. And it's looking like he's breaking in a little more and getting the goal was obviously huge. Got a Champions League win, so that was really good. Yeah, not a whole lot else from Pulisic. I did not watch the West Brom game. I didn't catch the Champions League game. But always good to see him scoring in the Premier League. So that's really exciting. So I think I'm going to say Pulisic. As far as my North Americans abroad, that's one player I'm going to stick with. But getting away from that and getting to a little more local, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this, well, May, April 9th. So depending on when this podcast comes out, Friday, the NWSL starts their Challenge Cup. Uh, they had this competition last year, given the craziness of COVID. They had it in Utah, but they'll be in home markets. So the NWSL season is back April 9th. Uh, we have Houston and Chicago kicking things off which is a final of the a final rematch of the challenge cup final in 2020 where connor's houston dash won it all um and then portland and kansas city won yeah remember we picked teams connor you picked houston because they have all those canadians <laughs> oh yeah because they have all the canadians right exactly yep. you're the one team yep. that actually wins a championship for women's soccer and you forget about them oh look bring a team to toronto and i won't forget about the nwsl you know same same Maybe with that one same in Atlanta, but Houston and Chicago kicking off the competition, a rematch of the 2020 final. Uh, Portland and Kansas City will play, I think, at 10 o'clock because they're in the West Coast. Kansas City's first ever match after they were relocated from Utah. So that is exciting. We have two games on the docket for April 9th, first day, and uh, not Sky Blue FC, but Gotham FC, the rebrand and some new kits. The rebrand came out a couple of days ago and the new kits released today. I think they're sick. Also, Racing Louisville came out with their kits. I think they're sick. So once again, the NWSL is kind of kicking MLS's butts when it comes to the kit game. So NWSL is coming back. Very excited about that in the Challenge Cup. We'll see if Houston can make a repeat and if Connor finally gets another trophy in the women's soccer world because we know Canada's not going to do it anytime soon. I am so jealous of the NWSL and their partnership with Nike. It's so much better than MLS's and Adidas's. Like, pe- people always want to say, oh, MLS's jerseys suck because it's only one manufacturer. But that's obviously not a problem because every single NWSL kit that comes out is fantastic. And I want all of them. 
<laughs> so if you have extra jerseys, send them to Josh's address at... Don't say your address. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. I wasn't, I wasn't going to. <laughs> you, you moved towards the mic, and I had to cut no, you no, off no. before you, you did can, something you, you regretted. <laughs> if someone really wants to send me an NWSL jersey, which I will not turn down, you can hit me up on Twitter. There you at, go. At Josh Boland. Shameless, shameless plug. Um, but in other women's soccer news, we got some international games coming up, which I completely forgot about and have seen very little about. Uh, I, in, I didn't even know the U.S. was playing. I just knew Canada was playing Wales tomorrow. So what are you guys looking forward to in terms of the Canada game and the U.S. game? I'm excited for the U.S. to play Sweden. If I remember correctly, that's who they lost to in the Olympics, right? Yeah, so they kind of got their revenge at the World Cup in 2019, um, if I remember uh, remember that correctly. So, I mean, I'm excited for that. It should be a good game for the U.S. women to have ahead of the Olympics this summer. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Excited to see. Sweden kind of has become a rival. Sweden and Canada both kind of rivals after the 2016 Rio exit. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see U.S. play some really good competition as they go for gold after winning the World Cup in 2019. Also excited for Canada because both teams, as much as we roast Connor for Canada not winning a World Cup, Canada's really good. So excited to see both these teams get ready for the Olympics where it should be a solid showdown. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, a lot of women's soccer news going on lately um connor do you have anything about the canada game excited about it any players you're keeping your eye on not really uh as Dwayne Rollins tweeted out this morning it really stuck up on me because i didn't realize it was uh this soon and i forgot it was even happening so you know just getting reps in with new manager bev priestman i think is always going to be good uh and we will see how they do against wales who i don't think are very good correct I don't think so. I think in a couple of days they play, I want to say they play England on the 13th. And England obviously made that semifinal run. So I think that game against England is going to be a little bit bigger deal as a kind of a a stepping stone, not a stepping stone, a marker with how good they're going to be because I think they'll both be comp- competing for gold in the Olympics. So I don't think Wales is very good, but that England match is going to be a big deal in a couple of days. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, hopefully. But we are going to try something out on the show, and we're going to take actual ad breaks so that you aren't just completely shocked by an ad out of nowhere. Uh, so here is your first ad break. And we're back. So after talking about NWSL, Women's National Team stuff, and some North Americans abroad, um, we get into the fun Major League Soccer stuff. We've had a lot of MLS news between transfers and just general news. And we are going to start with a big one that kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting this. But MLS and I think all U.S. soccer sanctioned leagues. So I think this applies to NWCL as well. I assume the USL as well. Yeah. But uh, all leagues are introducing concussion substitutions. Uh, teams will have up to two concussion subs. And... Yeah, they can be used regardless of number of subs already in use. The league is going to continue using five subs, which we may have talked about before, but that was kind of new with COVID and teams it just being all funky. They introduced five substitutions. Um, that's going to remain this season in addition to the concussion subs. So, Josh, I guess we'll start with you. Um, I think this has been a big thing that, specifically for me, MLS has kind of been pushing. I know Taylor Twelman is really big on concussions in soccer because I think his career was cut short. He had a lot of concussions to deal with. So he's been leading the charge with that. 
Um, but what do you think about this? Obviously, head injuries are a big deal. I think most of the time we think of American football with head injuries because NFL and all of that. But soccer, that definitely happens. So I assume we're all – what do you think about this concussion substitution rule getting in effect in all the leagues in the U.S.? I think it's awesome. Uh, it's This is sort of something that I think is, is long overdue in soccer in general. And I think concussions as well is kind of an issue across – all sports, mostly, like you said, American football and soccer, but I think we as like a, as a society have been slow to handle this kind of injury, so it's good to see MLS starting to catch up, this country start to catch up in the game of soccer, so I'm excited about that. I am intrigued by the actual function of it, um, you know, like in an actual in-game situation. I'll be very interested to see how teams handle it. The, the part of this new, these new concussion substitution rules that kind of piqued my interest was about additional substitution. So if a team uses a concussion substitution, the opposing team will receive an additional substitution. So I guess that's sort of like a whole tactics thing. You know, if Joseph Martinez picks up a concussion and has to come off and Atlanta brings on, you know, I don't know, Lissandro Lopez in his place, then the other team can then if they feel the need to adjust their tactics, bring on a different sub. So if that has to happen, I'll be very interested to see what sort of effect that has on a game. Uh, but other than that, I'm just really excited to see the league institute this rule and all of American soccer institute this rule. I think it'll have some really good benefits for the health of our, our players. Connor, you got any thoughts on the new concussion substitutions? I think it can only be a positive addition. Uh, it opens the door for potential manipulation of it, obviously, I know that. But I think in the long run, head injuries are unbelievably serious, and we have seen the effects that it's had on people, whether it be CTE, whether it be prescription medication addiction, uh, which has been especially the case in the NHL, uh, with some past enforcers passing away from it, specifically Derek Bugard, uh, and I believe Wade Bielak as well. Uh, so I think just making sure that players are healthy and their long-term health is considered because it's not worth dying young for playing a sport, I think is the bottom line to all this. I also think it's interesting that they chose MLS and sort of U.S. soccer for the pilot project of this. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this be successful and then adopted across other leagues, whether it be the Premier League, Bundesliga. I wouldn't be surprised to see this be a main sort of aspect of the game in world soccer. And I just think it's it's going to be nothing but positive is the bottom line, even if it does get abused sometimes. Because, again, you want to protect the players and instituting this rule protects the players and it doesn't force them into dangerous situations where their long-term health and their even their short-term health is put at risk. But Drew, what do you think about the concussion substitutions and how big of an issue do you think manipulation of the rule is going to be? Yeah, I think it's awesome first off. And with manipulation, I I find that it might be impossible to think of a rule to institute in the game and not have manipulation come into possibility, have potential to be manipulated so you kind of have to do the weighing the positives and the negatives the positives like you said it keeps your players healthy 
and can help long-term pass the game of soccer where the negatives it can be manipulated but if leagues value player safety as much as they say they do i think it's one of those things you kind of got to take a risk and concussions need to be thought about and looked at a lot more than they currently are um i really like what you said about this potentially expanding to other leagues i think the u.s might be a little ahead of the game on concussions because like we said american football we see constantly nfl players getting concussions as the country loves nfl college football and that's something that other countries don't have the same extent that we do um so i think the u.s it's really awesome that we're kind of leading this charge with mls nwsl usl getting it so i'm excited to see the league taking kind of putting its money where its mouth is as i think concussions have been talked about a lot but we haven't really seen anything like this done before so really happy that the leagues will be using it this year um, and hopefully for a long time to come and hopefully for a lot of other leagues in the world so really awesome like that a lot and manipulation there's room for it but at the end of the day i think you got to do some things to take player safety to another level and doing this definitely creates space for player safety to be at the forefront as I think it should be in league's mind. So awesome about that. Excited to see that go into action this season. Um, but another thing that is getting into action this season, U S open cup qualification is a little weird this year. Um, the eight base, the top eight U S based MLS teams with the most points through the first three weeks of MLS action will earn automatic birth into the round of 16. I don't remember the exact method of how it usually is, but this is definitely new. Um, that through the first three weeks, however many points you have, that determines whether or not you get U.S. Open Cup berth, which I am pretty excited about it because I think in the first couple of weeks, fans just assume it doesn't matter, that it's just you're getting your footing, you're learning it, but this really puts importance on coming out of the gate strong. But it does have some negatives to it, and I'm sure we'll talk about some negatives to it. But Josh, what do you think about the new qualification process? You a fan of it, not a fan of it. Um, what about the strength of schedule? Because that's like one of the negatives to me. Because from an Atlanta United perspective, we play some pretty freaking good teams, if I remember correctly, in those first three weeks. So that might have some door for strength of schedule to become a topic where it's already a pretty big conversation because not everybody plays everybody like the Premier League and other leagues. So what do you think about this new process? Do you like it? Fan of it? What do you think about it? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I recognize that this is pretty much the only viable option for the U.S. Open Cup. And I think I speak for the majority of American soccer fans and then that it was really disappointing that the Open Cup didn't even happen last year because they were on a run of 100-plus years in a row um, of doing the U.S. Open Cup. So to not have it last year was a bummer. And even though things are weird this year, it'll be nice to have it back. Now, the whole strength of schedule thing, again, it's not great, but... It's pretty much the only thing they can do. I think the most interesting part of this is it's points per game. It's not just points total. So, you know, if a, if a team plays their first two games and they win both of those games and their third game gets postponed because of a minor COVID outbreak, then all of a sudden that team is probably through. So I think that that's where things are going to get interesting, maybe a little dicey. From an Atlanta United perspective... I think there's an argument to be made that Atlanta United should be in 
regardless because they are the defending Open Cup champs. And if it worked to get them into CCL, it should probably work to get them back into the tournament that they are still the trophy holders of. So that's my that's my two cents as a, a cocky Atlanta United fan. Connor, do you have any thoughts on this shortened run-up for the US, U.S. Open Cup? I know it's not as big a deal to you since you are Canadian and I guess this doesn't really apply to you, but... No, it doesn't apply to me at all, but I think it really screws the teams already in CCL. Because, like, they have a heavier schedule already, right? And That's true. When you look at what Toronto FC did in 2018 when they were going on their championship uh and almost championship run after penalties but um when you look at that and how they basically didn't play anyone for their first couple weeks of the season so they'd have guys available for the champions league it sort of forces teams into picking one of the one or the other winning champions league or winning u.s open cup to try to get a shot at champions league and I think that's sort of the underlying factor is that it hurts those teams. And you want your good teams in the Champions League. So I don't really understand why they're making it such a condensed schedule and making the beginning of the season so important for teams who are already in the Champions League to try to qualify for the Champions League because I think it'll just mean worse teams make it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really interesting aspect of it. And, you know, you make, you make a really good point about how these stronger teams are the ones with the congested, congested schedules. If I had to guess, then, you know, the teams like, I guess really the U.S. teams because they have a really easy first part of the CCL schedule, in quotes, because we totally know they're going to get CONCACAF next week, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... If you're these MLS teams that are in CCL right now, you're going to put a lot of emphasis on CCL, especially with, like I said, it's a bit easier of a pathway to the final maybe. So that is definitely going to be something to watch for. Drew, do you like the Open Cup qualification format? What do you think about the – I know you brought up the whole strength of schedule thing. Do you think it's kind of unfair? I think strength of schedule will always be a factor in this league because it's a very American thing because we don't – Teams don't play everybody. This is not a small 20-team league where all the countries are right there together. It is, a, I guess, eventually the plan is to have a 30-team league spread over two countries. So the possibility of playing everybody twice or whatever the setup is is kind of impossible. So that's just an unfortunate thing about Major League Soccer. Um, but I think that is a really interesting point you guys bring up with the Champions League teams because if if an MLS team were to advance out of this first round, given if they don't get CONCACAF next week, um, if they were to advance to the quarterfinals, the first leg would be April 27th through the 29th, which falls in that three-week window, which I assume it's three weeks from, is it the 16th or the 17th? Because some teams play... I wonder when that cutoff is, I think is my question, because some teams play the 16th, and then like for LA United's point of view, I think their opener is the 17th against Orlando. So that's what's confusing to me. I assume there's like, it's like the three weeks, the weekend of three weeks of the opening weekend. That's what I think it is. So I think it's going to be what, May, like May 8th, whatever that date is of that 
I don't have a calendar in front of me, obviously. Let me double check it. I think, so yeah, the weekend of May 8th will be like the cutoff. So really it's the May 2nd is the end of the third weekend of MLS action. So I'm, I think that's when the the date, that's like the cutoff for the teams. So the weekend, the first weekend in May would be the cutoff? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's the final, that's the third week. And so we'll know, I'm assuming like that Monday, May 3rd, maybe sometime that week is when they'll announce here are the eight teams that have qualified for the U.S. Open Cup. So that's interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, so... If an MLS team were to make it through the first round, they will be playing a CONCACAF Champions League leg, the first leg of the quarterfinals, and then having to balance out that with not being... I mean, you're not really able to take those. I mean, I guess depending on how much you value the Open Cup, which I think, given the history that Josh touched on a little bit, I think every MLS team wants to win Open Cup. And it's a very historic trophy in U.S. soccer, so obviously you want to win. And to win Open Cup, you have to be in Open Cup. But also you want to win Champions League. And to win Champions League... You need to win games. So that's interesting balance of teams trying to get into Open Cup, but also trying to get to a good start in the first leg of the quarterfinals. Again, if they are to go through, which maybe they all blow leads, very possible, and none of them go through and they're all able to focus their energy solely on calling for U.S. Open Cup. So the strength of schedule thing, I think we're going to have that conversation as long as this league exists and as long as we compare it to Europe, which I think is kind of unfair because, again, so many teams, the country's so big. So I think the possibility of playing everybody equal amount is just impossible. So strength of schedule is always going to be there. It's always going to be a room for discussion. And it's just another, this is just another aspect, another avenue for that conversation to happen. So U.S. Open Cup qualification has been changed a little bit because COVID stuff after not having the tournament at all, which Atlanta United is still the defending U.S. Open Cup champs. How awesome would it be if they accidentally won the whole thing again? And they go back to back U.S. Open Cup champs. That would be that would be a really fun like trivia history tidbit. Like years from now, about how Atlanta United won back to back Open Cups across three years with a pandemic sandwiched in the middle. Like that would just be absurd. But with MLS teams, you never know. It's going to happen. happen. Just because how ridiculous it is. I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, who knows though? I think this year it'll be very heavy. Toronto. No, it won't be Toronto. Although Pacific technically, FC. maybe they could count because they are playing in the U.S. Uh, <laughs> but I think depth will really be the key to this, uh, especially for the CCL teams like Columbus uh, or Atlanta, because as I've said countless times, and I'll say yeah. again later in this episode, go ahead and drink, drink, take a shot every time. Say depth, 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 depth matters. It is 2 uh, in the afternoon, and you are already blackout drunk if you played that game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. That's my goal. With uh, we need to we need to create like a bingo card or something like that for this podcast. But that, that would be good. That would be hilarious. Best uh, player in Concacaf debate. How many times Connor says depth? Those are the first two squares. I'll think of the Mis- rest. Mispronunci- <laughs> mis- mispronunciation of a word or yep. player. So we, we, you just got mispronunciation as one of your slots because yeah. somehow Josh mispronounced mispronunciation. Uh, so congratulations for the most ironic uh, accidental misspeaking, I guess, of all time. But maybe I'll, I'll work on that. Uh, maybe this weekend. We'll see. And maybe you'll have that for next episode. But why don't Speaking we... Speaking of depth. 
Yes, speaking Transfer of Transfer signings in MLS. Yes. Lots exactly. more of them. And this was actually a busy week. I feel like the last couple podcasts we've been like, hey, like we've only got three or four things to talk about, and it's not a lot. But things, uh, things kind of went off the rails in MLS. So I think we'll, we'll go through all of these real quick, and then we'll talk about maybe one or two or three that we think is big. First, Minnesota United, super busy this week. They signed... Uh, Ramon Avila from Boca Juniors with an option to buy. I believe he's 31. He's a striker. Lots of rumors and reports linking him for the last few weeks. He'll be joining his, I believe his friend, Bebelo Reynoso, who is already with Minnesota United, also joined from Boca Juniors. So it might be fun to see them combine. You, Minnesota also loaned out DP Thomas Chacon. He has barely played for them. Personally, I'm disappointed that he hasn't really taken off with Minnesota, but he'll be going to his home country of Uruguay, playing for Liverpool in Uruguay through the 2021 season. And Minnesota are also reportedly signing left winger Franco Frappane. And so hopefully we'll see something about that soon. Real Salt Lake finally announced the signing of Bobby Wood, who we mentioned a couple months ago on this podcast. He will join in the summer window from Germany. LA Galaxy have signed 21-year-old French winger Kevin Cabral. That is a DP signing from Ligue de? Is that how you'd say it? Right? In French? Une de? Yeah? Ligue de? Yes. Yes, <laughs> de it's de, but okay. Yeah, Ligue de. <laughs> uh, he's only got seven goals in the, the French second division, and they've signed him to a five-year contract. Uh, with a, I think there's an option in there for that final year. He's the third most expensive signing in club history. Interesting tidbit there. I believe Beckham would be the highest. Zlatan was a free, so you can't include him. So I'm not sure who's that second one. He's also the youngest DP in club history. Chicharito? So ooh, probably. That's that's probably the second highest. Or maybe the highest, uh, depending on whatever Beckham's fee was. Was it 15 years now? It's been a while. Um 13 years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> We're old. Yeah. Some so of speaking us more of, than others. Yeah, that's true. So speaking of There's speaking another bingo card. There's another bingo card. Yeah, we make, make fun, fun of Josh's, Josh's age. age. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Kevin Cabral, FC Cincinnati acquired $250,000 in GAM from the Los Angeles Galaxy for the discovery rights to Cabral. So this is one of those weird MLS rules about discovery rights and GAM and TAM and thank you, ma'am. So that's two fifty dollars in GAM. Could rise based on um, performance incentives. That's pretty big. I think it's by 100 k it could rise. Uh, yeah. But for winning MLS Cup or making the playoffs? One of those. Something like that. Uh, I think I think it might have been Tornorio. One of him are like stage call or uh, it might have been Baxter, Kevin Baxter. He might have had that as well. I can't remember who it was, but one of them had that. Uh, the, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I think he's also the youngest DP in LA Galaxy history. I did uh, mention it. You, you I did? saw you okay. throw that there in the doc. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's a big thing. But what is also in addition to the 250K in GAM is a first round pick in this year's MLS entry draft. Yes. Uh, they got a first-round pick in that draft. So, Interesting. Depending on how good LA Galaxy are, which, you know, some people are very high on them. Some people are more realistic uh, in terms of their expectations. But that could be a very good pick, potentially. Uh, we'll see how 
well Greg Vanny does in LA, but it's quite a lot to give up for a player's rights who's only coming from League Two in France. Say it. Ligue de. Ligue de. Yeah, you're the one with the awesome French accent here. Oh, I don't have a French <laughs> accent. I just do a terrible one. Yeah, we know. All right. Uh, also. <laughs> <laughs> That's another Spe- bingo card. Carter's a terrible <laughs> French accent. Speaking of FC Cincinnati, that's not the only big news this week. Probably the biggest news was, um, according to Sam Stagecoll and Paul Tenorio from The Athletic, Frankie Amaya is back on the trading block. So of all the the horrible things that have happened to Cincinnati in the first few years in MLS, Frankie Amaya has been one of the few bright spots for them. Uh, They reported, those guys from The Athletic, a couple months ago that Amaya had some suitors, some teams that really wanted to go after him and get him from Cincinnati, but Cincinnati was refusing to trade him. That, for some reason, has now changed uh, a couple weeks, months later. Apparently, the teams that were trying to get him were Philadelphia Union and New York Red Bulls, and now Cincinnati have filed tampering charges against them. So this is something we hear a lot about in the NBA, sometimes in the NFL, some other major U.S. leagues. Not something we hear about often in MLS, so that'll be something to definitely keep an eye on. LAFC have also reportedly shown interest, but they are not in trouble with the whole tampering thing. So I would hate it if LAFC got them because their midfield is already super stacked, but we'll talk about that in a second. New York City FC announced the signing of U.S. international Alfredo Morales, who is 30 years old. He is joining from Fortuna Dusseldorf in Germany. He's played in Bundesliga in the second division in Germany. He's been there for a while now. I didn't see anything about a TAM or DP deal, so... We might get that information at some point down the road. Um, And he last appeared for the U.S. national team in, I think it was December 2019. So it's not like he's been out of the picture for a while or anything. So that'll be interesting. Inter-Miami, never a dull week with them. They have not sorted out their four designated players issue. They might have to send Matias Pellegrini on loan because they can't buy down Higuain. They can't buy down Pizarro. And Pellegrini, because of his salary, is not eligible for the U22 Young Money Initiative. The issue here is MLS has not resolved the Blaise Matuidi issue. Matuidi is currently counting as a DP, and so Miami can't really do anything yet until that's resolved. They have to be roster compliant by next Friday, so that's going to be very fun to watch this story develop over the next week. And... Currently developing, as in the last 10 minutes, Darren Eels has put out a cryptic tweet for Atlanta United. Everyone is saying that this is the Alan Franco signing, so maybe in the next 15 or 20 minutes we'll be able to confirm that for you because that's usually when Atlanta United puts out their their uh, official release about players after the Eels cryptic tweets. Drew, hit us with one or two, three maybe big storylines from all these signings. What jumps out to you? I think, first off, the Alan Franco thing, because that was not in the doc before, and then Josh threw it in there, and I immediately went to Darren Eels' Twitter, and that seems to be the consensus, so that's really exciting. That's been a crazy story, because I think some players in press conferences I accidentally said that Atlanta was got him. Ezekiel Barco said something like, he's here. Heinze. Heinze literally said, we signed Alan Franco a week ago, and that was almost two weeks ago, so it's apparently franco's been signed for like three weeks so this was coming i guess so who is franco for people who are not familiar with who alan franco is he is a center back from i totally forgot what team independiente Independiente, also barco's team team. yes um so he's a center back from independiente in argentina 
And if you've been following the, the show, we have had constant Atlanta United center back problems going back to players, going with Defensa, River Plate, it's had some COVID issues. I think. Velez. Velez. With Giannetti. Yeah, this Velez has been a whole. A lot of teams. A whole conundrum. The Atlanta United center back saga has been very terrible as a fan to experience. It's probably really funny as a neutral to watch Atlanta United suffer as they look for their second center back. But we'll talk more about Atlanta United center backs later in the episode. BS Alan Franco, that's really exciting. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Excited about that. But I think the biggest thing to me was NYCFC signing Alfredo Morales because it feels like every time we have talked about New York City FC, it has been the club releasing a player or someone signing a player from NYCFC. And I think one episode we even talked about, like they have a lot of international spots. They have the city uh, scouting network. They have a lot of money at their disposal. Eventually they're going to start signing players and they finally signed someone. We're talking about NYCFC and they're not letting a player go. They're acquiring Alfredo Morales. Um, Again, maybe people aren't, too happy about that because I don't know what the expectation was around the NYCFC circle, but that was the biggest thing to me was that they finally acquired a player because it always has felt like they have been selling players, letting players go, et cetera, et cetera. And also the tampering shenanigans is very major league soccer-y. That's hilarious. Miami, that's hilarious. So this is, it's a lot of transfers, but there's all, in all of them, there's this interesting bit of flair and flavor that we love in MLS between roster rules players finally coming bobby wood i'm super excited about that i he's awesome happy to see him in mls um maybe he'll start making a name for himself with rsl so that's really exciting also the thomas Chacon thing is just kind of disappointing because he was always a big deal and i feel like when i was reading up on minnesota united everyone was always disappointed that he was had so much hype and never played out but if i had to pick two or one specifically, I'm going to go with NYCFC because they finally signed a player. I think NYCFC fans were waiting on a signing, and they finally got one. Yeah, it's important to note with NYCFC that even manager Ronnie Dyla like, straight up said, we don't have good enough players. We need more players. So hopefully this is what he was looking for. If not, it's not good to have a manager that openly says, we need more players, especially when you have that scouting network at your disposal. kind of feels like, once again, a New York club is getting neglected. Maybe we'll see. Connor, what jumps out to you from this bevy of signings? The Inner Miami. Because this is a solution that could be very, very interesting that I've thought of. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit before the show. So they're uh, both Drew and Josh are a little familiar with what I've come up with. But I wonder if we see... Pellegrini loaned to another MLS club, specifically a club that needs a DP, specifically a club that is kind of close to them at this point uh, in the season. Might not be so close come June, but right now they're pretty close in Toronto FC. Obviously, Toronto have an open DP slot, so they could fill him there. Although I believe if it's a loan, I don't know if he counts as a DP because Christian Bavon didn't count as a DP. So I don't know how that would work if he's in I, MLS. I think because he already carries a designated player designation in MLS, if he gets traded to another team in MLS, he has to keep that. And the Pavone thing, they were just skirting rules. I mean, he technically was a designated player, but because of the loan, they got away with it. But yeah, you know what? Maybe they can do that too in this case. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's a very interesting aspect to it, but Toronto could use a winger. Uh, they could use some more attacking options, specifically following yesterday's match, which we'll get into in the injuries they suffered there, because of course they did. Uh, but this is an issue that could really, really bite Miami. And maybe we have Alex Windley on next week to discuss it. Reach out to her, see if she's interested in coming on to discuss the full Inter-Miami, like all their options and their outlook on the season, because this is a team that has become the chaotic mess in MLS. Uh, it used to be LA Galaxy last year. They brought in Vanny. It's sort of solidified a little bit, but they're sort of the team that's everywhere right now. So I'm very interested to see what they do and what happens with the DPs and whether or not MLS, I wonder if they grant them an exception on Matuidi because they're still investigating it and they were going to buy him down to a TAM deal. There are so many interesting aspects to that entire situation that we just don't know have enough information to really dive into. But yeah, I Inter-Miami sticks out to me in terms of what we need to watch. Uh, and LA Galaxy as well, bringing in that 21-year-old French winger, Kevin Cabral, from League Two. It's... We'll see. It's a big contract. Five years. Uh, youngest DP, third most expensive, as we mentioned. So, I don't know. This is this has been an insane week in terms of transfers. But, Josh, are there any transfers that we brought up that stick out to you specifically? The Frankie Amaya situation is extremely interesting to me. I, I really like Amaya as a player. I think he's just been fantastic. He's so young. And, I mean, I was hoping he would get moved from Cincinnati because if he feels like he needs to get away from there, then I feel like he'll play even better in another scenario. So I'm really anxious to see how that situation is going to get resolved. It seems like it can maybe get a little messy in terms of all the tampering charges and Amaya wanting to leave, not being allowed to leave, and finally being allowed to leave. So... I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that. I'm with Drew. I'm really disappointed about Thomas Chacon. He was routinely featuring for the youth Uruguayan setup, which that's a big deal because you've got other players from the youth Uruguayan setup, Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi, who are thriving in MLS. So I, I hate that it hasn't really worked out for him with Minnesota. Hopefully he can get a lot of playing time and regain some form back down in Uruguay. Other than that, I mean, I got to say Alan Franco as an Atlanta United fan. This is, you know, as Drew talked about, this has been such a process, such a terrible, horrible, long drawn out process. So uh, that will be really good when hopefully it is made official. I keep refreshing my Twitter feed, waiting to see the, the, the press release and the picture of him. So we'll see. Like I said, we'll probably be able to confirm that in the middle of the episode. Uh, but... We've got some other things to talk about. We're going to get into our CCL preview review. Before we do that, though, we're going to take a very quick ad break. All right, and we are back talking all things CCL. Big, big week for MLS this week. We had four matches. Portland, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Toronto were all in action. Columbus Crew will be in action tonight. Let's start with the Portland Marathon game from Tuesday night. Portland drew Marathon on the road, 2-2 game. 
Drew, what could you take away from this first match? Should Portland be feeling good coming home for the second leg? Did you catch the game? What do you think about the result? All that good stuff. I kind of caught the game. I totally should not have been watching the game because I was at a Georgia baseball game at the time, and I was supposed to be watching Georgia baseball play Georgia Southern. And as I was watching and writing, I had the Portland Marathon game on my computer, and even someone in the press box like came down and was like, what you watching there, buddy? I was like, oh, just some... CONCACAF Champions League. He was like, I don't know what that is, but cool. So that's the Georgia baseball scene. They're not really familiar with the Portland Timbers. Um, so that was a fun ex- that was a fun exchange. Um, but yeah, I think, so at the end of the day, they went to Marathon, got two away goals. So away goals, obviously, always good to get. Should they be concerned? I think so, because it could have been a lot worse than two. I think they're kind of happy they got out of there with a draw. Um, I think this might be a very goalkeeper center champions league conversation because i think as we get into the Atlanta united game we have to talk about atlanta's goalkeeper but i think a goalkeeper that kind of stuck under the radar was steve clark in that game against marathon he made some really impressive saves to keep portland in that and to get out of there with a draw so i think very well that could have been a 4-2 marathon win if he didn't come up with a couple big saves so for that reason i think portland should be concerned going in to the leg, granted, they are at Providence Park. I'm not sure what the Oregon or the Portland fan situation is going to be, but it's not going to be the same Providence Park that everyone knows and loves. So fans are going to make an impact. Not that big of a deal. Not the normal Providence Park. But I think I think they should be concerned. Because I think if Steve Clark doesn't make a couple of those big saves, I think they're going in down 4-2 to two against um, a really good marathon team. So I think... They should be concerned. I'm picking Marathon to win this one 2-1 to one in advance. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway from it, and also Diego Valeri, holy crap, what a goal off that free kick. Um, so that was awesome. But, yeah, I think they should be concerned. I think Marathon's going to pull it out, and I think Steve Clark is a really big reason why they came out with the draw, which when you look at it, if you were to say Portland's going to get out of, in a way, CCL game, with a draw they'd probably be very happy with that and that was also geo Savarese's first CONCACAF champions league game with the portland timbers which is wild to think about because they've always been successful they haven't had that final push to make into the tournament so Savarese getting that and maybe that's a maybe he takes from that experience maybe this was kind of a learning process for him because it's CONCACAF. no one knows what the heck is going to happen so maybe that was a little experience for him. But I think they should be concerned. I'm picking Marathon to win this. Alan Franco just happened. He is an officially NLA United player. They just announced that tweet. Uh, so there it is. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. Ah, have the tweet notifications on. Here we go. So Atlanta has another center back. That's awesome. We'll talk about center back, Atlanta United center backs in a second more. But going back to Portland Marathon, I think Portland should be concerned. I think Marathon's going to win the next game in advance in the second leg. Connor, you love MLS teams. You're optimistic about MLS teams. I think I you did you picked Portland to win. I think we both picked Portland to win this game. I don't think any of us got this prediction right. But how do you feel about Portland's chances going into the second leg against Marathon at home in Providence Park? I actually pulled up our predictions just so we'd have it right. Uh, but Josh, you predicted 1-1, so you were the closest score. Drew, mm-hmm. you had a one nothing win for Portland. I had a nil-nil result. Uh, so, you know, it's not a terrible result for Portland. Getting out with two away goals I think is going to be big. Uh, at this rate, basically all they have to do is win or draw, and they'll be through, as long as they don't have a complete collapse. 
But yeah, I think Portland's in for a good shot in terms of coming home, playing a, in Portland. I'm not sure if they're in front of fans, but that different climate than what Marathon's used to, I think that'll be big. Uh, so I think Portland's in for a good shot. Uh, obviously, Steve Clark looked great, and uh, missing Blanco is tough, but I was reasonably... Uh, what's the right word for this? Because it's not... It's between amused and frustrated because they probably should have held on for longer, but it was very clear they'd lost their legs at around the 70th minute sort of thing and were really chasing the game from then on. So hopefully the Portland situation helps them in that regard. But I think if you're Portland, you're biting your nails in terms of the next leg and whether or not you think you'll be successful in the next leg and really stand a chance against marathon to try to make it to the next round. Uh, Josh, do you have any thoughts on this match before we do our quick predictions? Yeah, I think this was a great result for Portland. I thought that they looked good for a team that is essentially in preseason. Um, obviously, you know, conceding a couple goals is not great. And like Drew said, if not for Steve Clark, they probably would have conceded more. But also Portland, I thought, had a few chances that they kind of missed. So I'm very intrigued by what will happen in the return leg. I do think Portland will win. I am predicting a 2-1 Portland win. I just think that being at home will give them the advantage. Uh, They very well could lose. I mean, they lost their home playoff match to FC Dallas last year, so you never really know what can happen with Portland and lest we not forget that Seattle last year as the defending MLS cup champs in CCL blew it at home as well to a central American team. I can't remember which team that was. So uh, definitely going to be interested to see what happens with Portland. Drew, what is your score prediction for this game? I think that is a great question, Josh. I big two one marathon. I think marathon's going through. I think they'll win two one. All right. Well, Josh and I both disagree with him on that one because I'm predicting a, predicting a massive gold fest uh, in a 3-2 to two Portland win because I think they'll get three in the first half sort of thing. Early second half, Marathon will have one probably around before the 60th minute. Then it'll be a nail-biting end to the match because Marathon will score in like the 80th minute and Portland will just have to try to hang on for dear life uh, to try to get this result uh, before so that Marathon doesn't win on away goals if they score another. But we will see. Uh, this match could go either way. Marathon and Portland are pretty evenly matched. Uh, but I don't know how much of an impact the environment will have on Marathon and whether or not they'll be able to rebound. Uh, but let's move on to your clubs. And I want you two to go off because you were going off in our Slack chat. Uh because, wow, that was interesting. But Alajuense against Atlanta United. Atlanta won one nothing. We're down to 10 men, 10 men from like the 30th minute-ish? Uh, it wasn't that bad. It was like the 40th minute. 40th? Okay, 40th minute after Brad Guzan, who is overrated, got a red card. Uh, and then an 18-year-old kid stepped in and <laughs> played the best game of his entire career. But... 
Who impressed you from that match, apart from the goalkeeper, obviously? And what did you think about the Guzon red card? First thing I want to say, more details about Alan Franco since we're back to Atlanta United. He is a designated player. Marcelino Moreno is being bought down to a TAM player, so that's a huge deal. He's signing a five-year contract. And Franco has been training with the team and could possibly play for Atlanta United in the return leg against Alavalense next week. So that is huge, huge. So we might be seeing more of him. Drew, I want to hear from you about this game. But first, I just want to say... I'm tired of this happening to Atlanta United. Back in May of 2018, Atlanta United had to sign a second-team goalkeeper to an emergency four-day contract for a game against Sporting Kansas City. It was a midweek match. Brad Gazan started. I can't even remember the dude's name. I, I think it was like Dylan Castaneros or something. He was on the bench, and Gazan ran out of his box and got a red card. And this young kid who wasn't even supposed to play for the team and wasn't even a first-team goalkeeper had to come in, try to save the day. He didn't. Atlanta United lost that game. So I am sick and tired of this happening. Atlanta announces that they've signed Rocco, uh, Rocco Rios Novo to a, an emergency four-day contract. Kid's 18 years old. Granted, he is much better than whoever the keeper from 2018 was because he's played for Argentina's youth setup and is from River Plate, I think. Uh, but yeah, I'm just tired of this happening. Can we not have to go to an emergency keeper for once? I, I It's just whew, so stress-inducing. Drew, what was your favorite part about this game? What can you take away? You know, were, were you impressed with this result? I know I was. Yeah, for sure. I was, yeah, first off, in a general sense, impressed with their result because Alohense, I think he got 25 matches unbeaten, so they were just rolling over everybody in Costa Rica. So to go to Costa Rica and get a result in the first game under a new manager with 10 guys, pretty phenomenal, so happy with the result. But I think kind of getting more specifically into players, my biggest questions around the team were right back and center back and kind of see where Joseph Martinez was going to play. I think he got, he came in as a sub. I thought Lissandro Lopez played pretty well. He had a chance that he almost converted. So that was good. But, and then with the right back and center backs, I thought Brooks Lennon played that right back role. I was interested to see if it would be Brooks Lennon or Ronald Hernandez from Aberdeen. I think that was kind of a question. Who's going to start Brooks Lennon played all 90. I thought he did really well. Um, and with the center back pairing, it was going to be Miles Robinson, and no one really knew. Um, it was possibly George Campbell, and Tom Walks eventually got that start at center back. And I thought between those two guys in Rocco, that was a really solid defensive performance. So I came into that game not really sure what that back line was going to look like. And between the four of them, George Bello, obviously, I thought he played pretty well. He wasn't the standout performer. I thought, um, yeah, I thought Miles played really well. He came in with a really good challenge late in the game. Um, and the ball fell to Alamance attacker, and then Rocco came up with another really big save. So that was impressive to me. I thought the defense played really well. Ezekiel Barco continues to frustrate the crap out of me. Um, he's the one that played that ball back. He did convert the penalty, yeah. which I thought was going to – I don't know about you, Josh, but when he took up the penalty, I was like, this is going in the seats. There's no way this is going in the net. And then he dove – the keeper dove the right way. It looked like he had it. And I was like, well, we're losing. And then it went in. So solid Barco for that. Um, but he just continues to frustrate me. But we'll see. I think a lot of people are excited about him under Heinze this season. But yeah, the biggest to take away for me is Brooks Linden 
and Anton Walks, Miles Robinson, the, those three combined with the performance of Rocco and Gold was really awesome. I'm excited for this next leg. Uh, Marcelino Moreno, who was not available last leg because, yeah, this is a red card, I think, and they're win over club america but it was still a loss he wasn't available i assume i think he'll be available for the second leg i think he served a suspension obviously goose will not be available but i'm super excited about marcelino moreno i thought he was really awesome in those little tidbits he gave us um so i'm excited for that excited to see how he joseph comes back he got a little bit of time in there didn't score didn't wasn't didn't do anything but he got time on the field which i think that was the biggest thing for me just to see this guy play soccer in a meaningful game and not get hurt and we saw that, so that was good. But I was impressed by the defense. I was impressed by Anton Walks, Miles Robinson, and obviously Rocco came up huge. Brooklyn, I thought was great. And maybe for me, going into the next leg, oh, and Santiago Sosa is a baller. He was phenomenal. He's very good. I am He's very so good. excited about that. So the the whole is the defense is a defensive show, which is kind of weird when you think about Lane United. You expect them to win games four three, but the defense showed up in the first game of the season. First time ever that Lane United has won the first game they played in this club's illustrious five year history. One of the most historic clubs in the league. First time they ever got a win in their first game ever under Gabriel Heinze. So that was awesome. Josh, I don't think you're as optimistic about the second leg, understandably so. Before United comes Atlanta, and Atlanta does not know how to hold on to leads, so I don't think you're very optimistic about that. But what do you think about what did you think about the win? Uh, do you think they're going to hold on to it? Because I, I first off, I said a two-one win for Atlanta. I think they'll go through. They are in. Are they in Kennesaw? Yeah. So they'll be in Kennesaw. Are fans allowed? I know it's kind of a weird situation. So fans will be allowed. I have not even looked at possibly even getting a ticket at all. Connor is shoving a same sexual tweet in our face. It's fine. They're gonna, they're gonna get it figured out. So uh, the tweet I was shoving in their face, sorry to cut you off, Drew, is from Sam Stashkal, Uh and he said transfer market isn't gospel, but they list the fee Atlanta paid for Moreno at seven million. If that's accurate, hard to imagine how he could be bought down with Tam. Haven't I feel like we've been talking about Moreno possibly being bought down for a while. So I don't remember ever seeing a figure related to the Moreno signing as, as far as like an actual monetary value for a transfer. I, I think it was undisclosed. So the, I, I have a feeling that transfer market is saying he was worth $7 million at the time for a transfer. And so that's just their assumption that that's what Atlanta paid. I, if I, my, my gut says that Atlanta paid way less than that, and therefore – they're able to buy him down because like Drew said, ever since Moreno got signed, it's always been pretty sure they can buy him down to a TAM contract. So personally, I'm not worried. Like if on, on a, on a level of zero to LA galaxy, having to buy out Giovanni dos Santos, like inter Miami is like right below LA galaxy and Atlanta is like much closer to zero than inter Miami. So not as an Atlanta fan, I'm not, not worried about that. As an Atlanta fan, I'm super excited about this team, though, because it was so refreshing to see a team with a plan. Were they executing that plan? Not all the time, but to see them with passing patterns and a clear tactical plan in place for a game for once was so amazing. I just had so much fun watching them pass the ball and press and know what they were doing. So... Very exciting for that. Obviously, you threw everything out the window once you get the red card. 
Such an impressive result on the road to get a win. Just the ninth time an MLS team has ever won on the road in CCL. So that's a major, major result for Atlanta. Like Drew said, I'm not super optimistic about the return leg. That being said, I think Alalense is still going to pull out a win. I think they're going to win 2-1. Now, that is me kind of trying to reverse jinx the result, if I'm being quite honest with you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because I do think Atlanta is extremely capable of, of seeing out the rest of this tie and advancing. However, and Connor was talking about this last week, he thought Atlanta was going to win because Alawanse wasn't going to be prepared for an Atlanta team under Heinze. And the Alawanse manager pretty much said that post-game. But now that they've gotten 90 minutes against Atlanta, now that they've got film to review, I think Alawanse is going to put up a really big fight. However, it should be noted that because of visa issues, Alawanse will be missing a few of their players next week. So... This is feeling like a huge wild card. Like, I don't know that anybody's going to be able to accurately predict how this return outcome. Maybe Rios Novo plays half as well as he did, and he allows a couple goals. Maybe his age kind of catches up to him. Who knows? Connor, what's your prediction for this return leg? I think Atlanta will be better tactically prepared to have Novo in goal, uh, just because they'll know what his capabilities are on the ball and will likely use him a lot less. They will also likely have that Franco guy, and adding a central defender is very helpful for them. So I'm going with a 2 nothing Atlanta win, because Joseph Martinez got some minutes under his belt, uh, although he is a little pudgy, and he admitted it, so it's not rude in saying that. Uh, but he's a little bit thicker than usual, shall we say. But... As he gets more into game action, I think he'll become more of a threat. And I think Atlanta will get one pretty quick uh, with whoever they have up top, whether it be Joseph Martinez starting his first game. I highly doubt it, but maybe. Uh, And I think they'll score one late as El Juense goes basically all out attack. And Barco will, or Martinez, if he comes on late, will just burn him with their pace and with the energy that they have to break in on goal one-on-one, put it home. So that's my prediction is a 2-0 Atlanta win. But again, it's Atlanta United and it's MLS. So it could go any different direction, period. It's going to be an insane game. It's going to be very, very entertaining. Drew, what is your prediction? I am going to pick a 2-1 Atlanta win. I am a little more optimistic than Josh, whether or not that is justified, we will find out. But yeah, I'm going to say 2-1 Atlanta win. I think going back to their first Champions League appearance in 2019 when they played Aridiano, Atlanta got smacked in that first leg, came back, looked like they got some things together, and went back and beat Aridiano bad enough to advance. So I think there's a little bit of an advantage that Atlanta knows a little bit more about Aloense. Um, also, on the flip side, Alvin say knows, knows a little more about Atlanta. Like Josh mentioned, it's kind of confusing as to what to expect from this team. But I think first game under a new manager, if you get the win on the road, that is setting yourself up very well for a win at home. So I think Atlanta's going to win 2-1, to one, um, and they will go through and play the winner of the Philadelphia Suprisa series, where Philadelphia took the first leg 1-0 on the road. 
Um, that was Philadelphia's first ever CCL game, and they got the win, so that was really exciting. It was also the first time Saprissa have ever lost a CCL game at home. So this continued a really good stretch for MLS clubs as Philly got their first win in their first game, giving Saprissa their first ever home CCL loss. Um, I think the biggest storyline of the game was that little scuffle we had at the end there where it was a, a yellow card that was, I have yet to see someone defend the referee's decision. I think it was pretty clear cut, a red card, um, but it's North America. It's CONCACAF. That is to be expected. Um, but yeah, Philadelphia came out with a really impressive result. Casper um, Shabilko scored the lone goal in the game, a pretty wide open header. And I think last week we even talked about Shabilko wasn't supposed to play in that game. It looked like their striker situation was not very good going to a very good Saprissa side who are always in this competition. So Shabilko coming on the field playing, I don't know if he got the full 90 in or how much time he played. Him being on the field in the first place was really big for them, and he came through with a header that he kind of just smacked the crap out of it. The keeper couldn't hold on to it, found the back of the net. So Philadelphia won one to nothing. They will come back on their second leg in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, so obviously a really good result for Philly and MLS. MLS had a really good first round, and Philadelphia just added to it. Josh, did you catch that game? What are your thoughts about it? How are you feeling about Philadelphia in the return leg? First off, I will say my prediction. I feel very good about Philadelphia coming back. Again, you got that away goal. You're coming home. You've played your first game under your belt. The nerves are gone. You're a little looser. You know what's going on. So I'm going to say Philadelphia wins 2-1, to one, and they will go through and play Elaine United in the next round because, again, the winner of Elena Alawense plays the winner of Philly Saprissa. So we are going to have an all-MLS quarterfinal. My prediction. I'm saying Philly wins 2-1, to one and they advance. Josh, what do you think about the game? Did you catch it? And how do you feel about Philadelphia in the second leg at home? Yeah, so I was able to watch uh, most of the game before I ended up playing soccer. Uh, but I thought Philadelphia looked pretty good. I, you know, you could tell that there was still some rust. Again, these MLS teams are in preseason, so it's going to happen. To win on the road in CCL is huge. Just like Atlanta. They were the, Atlanta was the ninth MLS team to win a CCL road match. Philly becomes the 10th. Just... I, honestly, I just think it's such a huge result. It wasn't always pretty, and they definitely got concaved at the end of the game with that BS yellow card call. But for them to come away with a win, really big, an away goal, really big. That being said, it's CCL, it's concaf, it's MLS. I think Saprissa is going to win one nothing in the return leg. I think they're going to go to extra time. I think they're going to end up going to penalty kicks. And I think Saprissa will advance. I do think they're going to come out on top. So I will, I will be glad to be wrong. Again, this is probably a reverse jinx. I mean, that's basically what they all are because I have to pick against the MLS team so that it hurts less when they let me down. But yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Saprissa the slight edge. Connor, did you catch any of the game? What did you think? And do you, or I guess what is your prediction I caught up until like the 80th minute and then I had to go downstairs to set up our little setup that we have to watch the TFC game, which we'll get into in a second. But so I missed the tackle, but I am very confident in Philly's chances 
and I am taking Philly 3-0 in this match. I'm also predicting, if this guy doesn't get suspended, two red cards. Because I think Philly are going to be very, very pissed off, very, very violent, and it's going to get ugly late in the match when Saprissa are down by too much to catch up, and they just try to break Philadelphia players' ankles. So I think we could see one card, red card going each way. One, if the guy doesn't get suspended, trying to take his ankle, uh, the guy who made the tackle's ankles off. And another one, Philly trying to get retribu- retribution on probably somebody like Shabilko or I don't know, someone along those lines. But I think this Philly game is going to be one you have to watch because it's going to be very, very good. Uh, one player that stood out to me, I'm forgetting his name, but the right back who made that cross. Mbazo. Mbazo, thank Olivier, you. Olivier Mbazo. He was very, very good until the 75th, 80th minute when you could tell he was just dead. Uh, but up until that point, when he gets his stamina back, he's going to be scary in MLS, especially with Chibilko in the middle, who's pretty decent in the air and who can get his head on the ball. That's going to be a lethal combination, and I think we're going to have to watch out for Philly this season because that team looks like they, like they could be very, very, very good. I also think, Josh, you're discounting the fact that Philadelphia have Andre Blake, who is the best goalkeeper, in my opinion, best shot stopper in MLS, behind maybe Stefan Fry. So, look, look man, I... I am so happy with these MLS results, and we've got another one that we're about to talk about in a second that just adds to how great these MLS teams, which just means that the inevitable letdown is going to hurt that much more, which is why I have to keep... I've been training for this for years, being an Atlanta sports fan, right? You expect the worst that way. When it happens, it's fine because you were preparing for it. And then if literally a percent better happens, then you're just super excited about it. So that's why I'm going that way. Well, why don't we shift to that game? But first, let's go to a terrible MLS result, specifically from our favorite club, The Foot, who played an uh, exhibition friendly today against a club named Tormenta FC, which is a south... Oh, that's from Statesboro, Georgia. Yes. Did they win? They won. Please tell me they won. Two nothing. (laughs) Ah, that's awesome. Montreal couldn't get a goal past... Tormenta FC, who I've never even heard of before. Yikes. To, to be fair, I think Atlanta, Atlanta, they played a friendly against Tormenta at the beginning of this preseason. And I think Atlanta struggled too. That's not okay for either MLS team. But, you know, as someone from the same state as Tormenta, like I know that they're, they're a decent team. They have some really cool kits, by the way. Their logo is very cool. I will give them that. Their logo is sick. It's a cool club. Yeah. Why can't MLS clubs be like this? Whatever. (laughs) Let's move on to the coolest club in MLS, in my opinion. Uh, Very biased. about Atlanta United. Unfortunately, it's not Atlanta uh, because they had an easy opponent. Instead, Toronto got Leon. Okay, you can't give me that look like... (laughs) uh, Alonso hasn't lost a game since November. Yes, they're also not... That's pretty good. They're not the Mexican League champions. Okay, you're right, but this isn't like... Whatever, whatever. They're both good teams, okay? 
just tell us about your team, Connor. Tell us about this amazing game. Leon's a little better. Uh, so Toronto FC didn't score a goal. Uh, Leon scored twice. Just unfortunately, one of those was on their own net. On hey, both of those were bangers too. Yeah, a banger of a chip, which. I feel so terrible for the goalkeeper because he just couldn't do anything. Even if he'd been on the line, he couldn't have done anything because I don't think he would have been able to reach it with his head. <laughs> it just would have gone over him. Uh, so Toronto FC escaped that match with a 1-1 draw after both of you predicted Toronto FC would get absolutely pummeled. I said it would be closer than I thought it would be uh, or than you two thought it would be. And I was kind of right. Uh, in that it was close, but I still predicted us to lose and we didn't lose. So that's always a good thing. But injury issues were a big factor in this match for Toronto. They lost Gallardo, who had to be subbed off during the match after coming on as a substitute. Josie Altador did his hamstring. Again, we don't have much information on that. Uh, Pozuelo, Westberg. Actually, Westberg wasn't an injury. I think that's a family personal reasons. Uh, they didn't make him come. But Osorio, Mavinga, and Nick DeLeon isn't ready yet, apparently. So none of those guys were there for this match. And same with Ayala So Toronto FC drew against Leon, missing their best player, their second best to best midfielder, their best defender, and their best goalkeeper. And they drew against Leon. In Leon. On the road. On the road. At altitude. There is not a better result you could have asked for if you're a Toronto FC supporter. It's as simple as Well, they could have that. won. Well, they could have won, but they never would have won. Period. Although they did have their chances. I'll give them that. They did have a couple chances. Uh, but getting away from Leon tied with an away goal is unbelievable if you're Toronto FC. We all predicted that they were going to get pummeled. You guys still think they're going to get pummeled. Uh, and we'll get into your predictions in a second. But I'm a little bit more confident in Toronto after watching that match. That Gonzalez-Zavaleta pairing? When did Zavaleta become capable of defending? Yeah, weren't we talking like during the offseason about how you thought he shouldn't even be back on the team because he's Vanny's relative, which fair, fair point because he hasn't been good at all up until now all of a sudden. That was his best game in three years. Not even lying. That's his best game since Toronto FC won MLS Cup. It's good timing. Exactly. Uh, and she was spectacular. <laughs> the fullbacks were unbelievable. Bradley in a pressing system? Oh, it's like he's reborn. It was like well, he was okay. reborn. Okay, let's, let's chill out. Let's chill out on that. I still, I, I said this before we started recording, but I give it a month before Bradley gets benched or injured because of the pressing system, but time will tell on that. The thing is, he's not really being used to fully press. He's being used as, a, as the support player. So there aren't really opportunities for him to get injured, which is what I said they should have done from the beginning, is have him be the guy who comes in second to back up for if somebody makes a mistake. And that's what he's doing, and it's worked really, really well. And he's getting more involved in the attack, too. Like, he had a shot last night. When does Michael Bradley shoot that doesn't go 40 yards over the bar? It was on target. It never happens. There's a couple. He he can pull them out every now and then, like that awesome chip in the Azteca. Every now and then. Every now and then. When was Very that? Rarely. Two years ago? Uh, it was like four, four years, years ago. Four years ago. Okay. 
There you go. And then he had that one game in D.C. where he scored two goals in the first game of the season. And then I don't know if he scored again for the rest of the year. So having him involved in the attack is very good. They need to work on their set pieces because Bradley is not a good set piece taker uh, anymore, especially on corners. But I loved it. The young kids... Oh my God, they were unreal. Jacob Schaffelberg looks like a man. The guy knows how to play it this year. Last year, he was he was a boy, like he was getting bullied. And this year, he's aggressive. He's on the ball. He's confident. It's, it's amazing what Armas did in his first game, honestly. Like, obviously, I'm overhyping them. They're not going to do this well the entire season. But if this is a sign of what could come from Toronto FC... MLS needs to be ready because those weren't their best players. And they performed very, very, very well. Did you guys catch this game? I did not. Uh, I only got to see some of the highlights, some of the clips. A player I was extremely impressed by, and I put this in the Slack last night, was Okello Noble. Noble Okello. Noble Okello. Whoops. (laughs) Never heard of him before, clearly, which is why I got his name backwards. Uh, But he looked fantastic. I saw... Matthew Doyle raving about him. I think Joe Lowry as well on Twitter. And they shared some clips. And from what I saw, I mean, you could not tell. How old is he, Connor? Oh, like 20 sort of thing? You couldn't tell that this was a 20-year-old kid running around the pitch at altitude in Leon. Like, that's how great he looked on the ball and his passing. He just looked super confident, super comfortable. So he caught my eye from the game last night. Um, and yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Connor. This couldn't have been a better result for Toronto. Definitely sets them up well on their turn leg. Um, that, and like you said, I mean, the fact that they're doing this with not their first choice team is impressive. I'm still really, really reserved about how much we can take away just from 90 minutes. And like I said, I'm not confident that Bradley can play this well for a long time considering his age. And same can be said for a few other players on the team, especially players that get their hamstring injured every say, single time they one, play, it seems one like. One of them only lasted 70 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Drew, did you catch the game? What did you think? Uh, I did not catch the game. I, I. It's funny because it's a draw, obviously, on the road is really good. But Toronto literally did score a goal. But on the other hand, I mean, even if that own goal didn't happen, I think Toronto FC could be very comfortable if you were to say without your best players, with all this happening, and you only lose one to nothing. I think that's a pretty, you're setting yourself up pretty decently for this for the away leg. So I think Toronto FC is set up decently. I think Leon's going to smack him 73 to 2. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I can't, I can't say that with a straight face. I think Leon's going to go through. I think Leon's going to throw the kitchen sink at him. And I just don't think Toronto has the talent to keep up with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, Toronto said this was good. I mean, I think everyone was expecting a smackdown, and they hung with them. Um, again, even though it was an own goal, I think even Toronto just... If Toronto had just lost one to nothing, I think that would have been a pretty respectable result and a lot better than I think a lot of people thought. So I Toronto impressed. Um, I don't know how well they'll do it next week. It's hard to play up to that standard twice in a row, uh, in a week, two games in a week, um, especially given the talent level Leon has. I think Leon is going to come in they have the talent Toronto's gonna have that target on their back um so I think Leon's gonna go through but Toronto is started off very well set themselves up really good and 
we'll see how it goes. Again, I, I don't think Toronto's going to go through, but this is MLS. This makes no sense. So we'll see what happens. Also, it's funny when we mentioned Chris Armas. Uh, Chris Armas's success in knockout games, not the best in the world. So maybe Toronto FC will get that dose really early on, get the shot as soon as you get him. Maybe he'll blow it again. So we'll see how that goes. Um, any other thoughts on the Toronto FC game? Or can we go to tonight's game, the last MLS round, as Columbus Crew, the pride and joy of MLS, the defending champs? I don't think we've MLS's done our predictions stretch. yet. We have not done our predictions. I pick Leon will yep. win 73-2. I've got a 3-0 Leon win. Again, reverse jinx here. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping Toronto pulls through, but don't see where that happens. Connor? I have a nil-nil result for Toronto FC. Uh, but we will see after that potential Puskas award-winning goal uh, that Leon scored, which was disgusting. Which one? Which one? Exactly. Good point. Uh, but that's also, that's kind of encouraging for Toronto, right? I mean, Leon's goal was not just an absolute crapshoot of defending. Like, what are you going to do yeah. about that? Every now, if those are the chances Leon's getting in this next leg, I think that's pretty confident because he shoots that eight times out of 10. That's not fine at the back of the net. So I think that exactly. was encouraging as well, that it wasn't a tap in. It was, you got to tip your cap to him. So that was encouraging as well. But on a realistic note, I'm picking two of Leon. Unfortunately, 73 goals will not happen in a game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you predicted that last time too. <laughs> I picked a lot worse than 73 to two because well, Josh yes. had to pull out the commas, and I don't know if we got the number right at all. A lot of aliens, four trillion aliens, yeah. and billions. Yes, but I'm saying two out Leon. But Toronto FC shocked us before, so maybe they'll do it again. Who knows? Who knows? Let's talk quickly about the match tonight because at this point it'll be out of date. But do you think MLS's streak? of undefeated in Champions League will be kept tonight against Real Esteli when Columbus crew travels there to try to demolish them and solidify their spot in the next round of the CCL. I think that Columbus is freakishly good. There is no reason they should not win this game. I think if you would have asked me before these stretches, this stretch of games started, if there was one team I was most confident in that would win their game, it would be the Columbus crew. They are really good. They got even better. They're deep. They're talented. They have experienced players, Nagby, Zardes, um, Zellerion. They're just, they're phenomenal. An incredible team. That being said, this would be the most MLS thing ever for the one team that should not lose to lose. Um, on paper, I think Columbus is the better team. I think out of all the MLS teams, they have the best chance to win the tournament. Whether they do it or not, I don't know about that, but they have a decent chance. I think the best chance of MLS to finally break the streak. Um, so my head is saying Columbus keeps it going tonight. I I think either if Columbus does not lose, I think they will smack. I think it's either going to be a close loss or a Columbus shellacking and Columbus keeps the stretch going, keeps MLS perfect in a sense in this thing. And they remind MLS and the continent that there's a reason why they won MLS cup. And we're, I think the consensus best team in the league last year. So I am going to be optimistic about MLS. I should not, but I'm going to anyway, I'm going to say Columbus wins three Oh, and I think they keep MLS's hot streak. I think they remind MLS that they got even better. And I think they tell the continent that they are for real and they're trying to win this thing. Um, so I'm going to say a Columbus 3-0 win. I think MLS has a perfect 
first round of games. I think Columbus keeps it up. I'm going to say I'm not going to guess the goal scorers. I'm just going to say 3-0 Columbus. Josh, what do you think about Columbus tonight? Is MLS going to stay perfect in this first stretch of games? Yeah, I mean, MLS, great, great results so far. Really awesome for the league. Columbus, like you said, definitely best team of the five. Only have gotten better. Um, I think Real Esteli is going to win 2-0 tonight because literally everything screams that Columbus is going to not play well. Like, it just, it's like a train that's coming and there's a car stopped on the track and I can't take my eyes away. So that's how I feel. Columbus should win. They probably will win, and yet it's not going to happen. They, they are probably going to get concacaf really hard tonight. Connor, what about you? You're probably a little more positive about this than we are, but what do you think? Yeah, I was just looking at our predictions for last week, and both of yours magically changed uh, <laughs> based on last week. Josh, you were predicting a 2-1 Columbus win. Drew, you are picking a 2-0 Columbus win. But I'm going to stay to my guns i'm going to stick with the mls club and i'm going to go with my four nothing columbus win because they're unbelievably good and i've never even heard of real esteli before so by all means that should mean they absolutely demolished this team but as you would think you would think and i was going to say as you saw with independiente against toronto fc last season that doesn't always happen uh especially when you start Travis Boyd at striker. But, you know, I think it's Travis Boyd. Come on, Terrence, Terrence Boyd. Boyd. You're not even going to give the man the right respect. There are too many Boyds. His dope tattoo. Yeah, he does have a sick tattoo, but there are too many Boyds in American Boyds, strikers. Basically, if you're a Boyd and you play soccer, you're a striker in the U.S., is what yeah. I've gathered from all of the Boyds. But, yeah, I, I'm calling a 4 nothing Columbus win. We will see whether or not they can do that. We'll see whether, what roster they put out tonight, whether they put out their best 11, uh, who they have available. And let's hope MLS can do the impossible that we thought last week and sweep CONCACAF without having lost a game, which is probably what Liga MX feels most years. And it's great feeling, but... Do either of you have anything you want to add to the podcast? I don't think Liga MX has lost a game either. Have they? I think Club America might play tonight. Cruz Azul tied, Leon tied. Yeah, it's just been the it's just been draws for them. Huh. Monterey's not even in the tournament, are they? They are not, I don't think. Wow. Neither is Tigres, I think. Well Wild times, man. Yeah. Who knows? Who we will see what happens with Liga MX. Uh, but it's good to feel what they feel every year for once up until tonight when hopefully Columbus win, but we might have our hopes and dreams crushed. But without further ado, we've been going for 93 minutes. Drew, take us out. Yes, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, it was we wrap up some CCL action and get ready for some more CCL action in soccer is right around the corner as MLS is getting ready to crank back up a week from tomorrow. If my math is right, yes, next Friday, MLS will play MLS games. The NWCL starts tomorrow, and CONCACAF Champions League is always in our minds and our hearts. A CCL fever has turned up like its yearly self. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, to find some really awesome written content by all of our writers getting ready for the season. 
Uh, follow the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex. And you can find us on Twitter at Josh underscore Boland, Connor at CWG Somerville, and myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. Um, as always, please review the podcast. We love hearing ways how we can get better and how we can improve. And yes, thank you guys so much for listening. And be sure to turn tune in next week as we wrap up some more CCL action and get ready for the MLS season because it again is coming next Friday. So thanks guys so much and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.